It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Phoenix Suns roll over in Game 7, losing by 33 points to the Dallas Mavericks. Plenty to get to as the weeks and months move on and and we move on and all of that. But today, what happened? What can it tell us? And why did it happen? Let's go. Locked on Suns. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past five seasons and a contributor at suns.com and Dime Magazine. Thank you. For making Locked On Suns your first listen today and every day, even as painful as it may be, I do appreciate each and every one of you as the offseason kicks off. Hit subscribe, hit follow wherever you're listening. We're going to be responding and reacting to this game for a while, I think, and then there will be some big questions on the horizon, so do not go anywhere. Hit that subscribe or follow button and, and come along with us. Today's show, I'm not going to uh, fluff things up. I'm not going to get too deep on any one thing, but what I want to try to basically do here is look at what happened and why. Um, what happened, why, and then what does it tell us? And I won't get too far into the what does it tell us because I do think that that's what the offseason's for. Those are going to be the questions that we are trying to answer as Suns fans and followers for, uh, I guess, until next October. But let's start here. Uh, today's show, guys, brought to you by Sakara. We'd like to thank Sakara for sponsoring the show, a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish. Go to sakara.com slash locked on 20 or enter locked on 20 for 20% off at checkout. More from them later on. 123 to 90, that's the score. You know the deal. I want to start here. I think that there's two sides of the coin. I think that there's one, and I think 
the obvious answer is it's both of these things, but I, I, I think it's way more one than the other. But the two general reactions I've been seeing to the Mavs just blasting the Suns off the planet was Luca. this is what this guy is, this is what this guy does. Totally reasonable, 35-10-4 in a closeout game. He's been incredible in these moments for his entire life. There's also the side of the Suns just completely threw up on themselves and botched this. And I I think could probably tell by the tone that I lean more way more toward the second. And it's actually not as much about what happened tonight as it is the reason I lean more toward that it isn't even to take away from from what Luka did or what the Mavs did, uh, but more so really to identify that this is a trend that and you really saw it come out in the post game. This is a trend that's been following the Suns for the, at least this series, if not longer. Is them not being themselves, not showing up in the ways that they had all year. And there's no easy way or one one answer for why that happened. You you know, if you're being cynical, maybe it's you know they they just took it for granted or whatever, but I'll get more into that in the next segment. The bottom line is that's what happened tonight. Okay. Luca in the third quarter is really when Luca came alive and, and like put this thing away. He closed the game. He, and he opened it. I mean, he had eight of his 35 were the first points that Dallas scored. Um, but he didn't blow the top off of this thing. You know, this wasn't a, a situation where Luca, you know, he didn't do what Tatum did, for instance, right? Where in, in, in that game seven, Tatum was a lot of it, you know, he only had 23, but he had eight assists. He was just making these pull-up threes over the top of the, the Milwaukee defense. He was creating most of the threes that Grant Williams got were either from Tatum or in some cases smart like that was a situation where it was a a superstar versus superstar moment Giannis his best well it wasn't really his best was a little bit worse than Tatum's best you know that wasn't this game obviously Luca's performance was better than I guess Booker would be the person you would lift up in that mano a mano type of way. Um, clearly, Luca outplayed Booker, who didn't make a field goal until the third quarter, didn't break double-digit scoring until the end of the third quarter. Of course, Luca outplayed him. But this was the Suns falling apart. And it's been the Suns falling apart. Um, game four... In New Orleans was a team that fell apart. Yeah, I would say. Um, The end of game two in Phoenix in the first round was a team falling apart. Games three and, well, really game four in Dallas was, was the Suns falling apart. Game six in Dallas was definitely the Suns falling apart and not looking like themselves and not having good habits and elite individual play to fall back on and game seven clearly again was uh the suns falling apart um 
And that's why I, I lean that direction. It, it's not to say that Luca wasn't special. I mean, eight quick points, a magical closeout performance. Um, just when really the Suns didn't have much left, Luca just put the finishing touches on them. Um, kind of like, what is it that boxing video game where the you have that last hit and the computer, the, the game basically puts the person's face and then it has like a button to push and then I don't know what video game that is. That's what it felt like Luca did in that moment after everything else was already pretty much falling uh, falling to pieces. So that's that's where I come down in terms of what happened. You had uh, another game where the Suns offensive execution was not terrible to open. This game was not over after the first quarter. Um, it, it will maybe look like, oh, wow, Dallas already had a, a double-digit lead. And, of course, that's not good, especially when the Suns were at home and should have been able to hit the ground running. But it felt like another game where the Suns' offensive execution was there. They were getting good shots but not making them. They were one of five from at the rim in the first quarter, and Booker and Bridges combined, who were both getting, again, decent shots that were the product of ball movement and some sets that were working and things like that, the ball was getting to Bridges and Booker in particular, and after that first quarter, they were one of ten. But they only had two turnovers, and both of them were just Jake Crowder, um, you know, brain flubs. You had Spencer Dinwiddie coming in and getting eight points, I believe. How is it's it gets cloudy? I believe Dinwiddie's points were at the beginning of the second quarter that started to uh, blow it open, and you know this, that's when the Suns' resolve just wasn't there. So you had Luca scoring in the first, combined with the Suns not making the shots that they were generating combined with Dinwiddie and Brunson at the beginning of the second quarter and you get to halftime and it's 57 to 27. So let's talk about why a little bit more here uh, because I think that's the biggest question. That's the money question. You, you know what I think happened, which is much more of the Suns beating themselves. The Suns shouldn't have even been in a game seven if they had not beaten themselves, and they did it again tonight. But let's talk about why. First though, guys, today's show is, again, brought to you by Saqqara. Saqqara starts, well, feeling your best starts with what you eat, and Saqqara helps you live a healthy, balanced lifestyle and truly enjoy it with delicious, plant-rich, transformational nutrition that builds a foundation for living in your best body. True Radiance starts on your plate, Made with high-quality organic ingredients, Sakara's again, plant-rich, transformational nutrition programs expertly designed to deliver real results. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Their nutritionally designed, chef-crafted breakfasts, lunches, and dinners are made with powerful plant-rich ingredients helping boost your energy, support your digestion, curb your sugar cravings, and get your skin glowing. Plus, it's all delivered right to your door, ready to eat. Sakara's functional plant-rich wellness essentials help you create a body you love living in. Look, uh, I will just say Sakara 
tapping into plant-based food. I mean, first of all, Chris Paul can speak for it. Second of all, this stuff is getting really good. They're starting to crack the code where you can barely tell, and it's so much healthier for you. Right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash lockdown20 or enter code lockdown20 at checkout. That's Sakara. S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash locked on 20 to get 20% off your first order. Sakara dot com slash locked on 20. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to locked on NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We talked about what happened. Let's talk about why. Um, and this is just my initial. I did. We, we got to talk to Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Monty Williams, Cam Johnson, and Mikhail Bridges. No DeAndre Ayton, which I will get to. To close the show, uh, DeAndre Ayton played only 17 minutes in this game. There are some folks on the scene who seem to think that they saw DeAndre Ayton refuse to check back in to this game. And we'll talk about all of that. We did not talk to DeAndre Ayton post-game, most likely as a result of some of those things. Um, so let's talk about why the Suns fell apart. If if that's the if that's the place that, that we're leaning here. So... I think it it is a big bummer to say this, but it starts with Chris Paul. I don't I don't see a way that you can talk about this loss without starting with Paul. Okay, so the stat line will not tell you. Just like in Game Six, Chris Paul's stat line was fine. Didn't really have the turnover problems. You know, obviously the numbers themselves aren't as big you could obviously look at the fact that the Suns lost and see okay well their second best player only gave them 10 and 4 that probably had something to do with it but you wouldn't necessarily see 10 and 4 from Chris Paul and feel like the Suns lost by 33 or that they were down by 40 plus at points in that third quarter so Chris Paul Maybe isn't the only reason that the Suns lost this game, but I don't, I don't see how you could say that he's not the main reason. How you couldn't say that he's not the main reason. He is the main reason, is my point. He apparently, reportedly, his, his go-to reporter, Mark Spears of Anscaped, ES, Anscape, ESPN, who used to be the undefeated, um, reported post-game that Chris uh, has a uh, quad injury, left quad injury, um, and that that was affecting him. We also saw him at various points. I appreciate you guys on YouTube dealing with my hair flying around. Uh, This fan is on, but Crowder, uh, sorry, Spears reported that the quad injury was affecting him. We saw at points him grabbing his, what looked to be his, Ring finger and middle finger on his right hand. Um, Whatever it is. And again, I just hate to use the injuries as an excuse 
But whatever it was, Chris Paul was not himself. He was not a guy that was willing to shoot, even if he seemingly was able. I mean, again, this is very different than last year because when Paul had the hand thing or even the shoulder thing in the first round in the finals, Paul was um, just, just couldn't shoot. I mean, he couldn't shoot and he wasn't dribbling well. He would just cough up the ball. Neither of those things were happening so consistently this time. So it's it's just tough to know how much to blame on that. It feels like in games six and seven, he Chris basically went into, I'm not going to hurt the team mode. Okay, like he didn't turn the ball over, but he also wasn't really trying to do too much. And here's why that's a problem, because the Mavs have, the thing that I think was underestimated about them heading into the playoffs is the amount of wing depth that they have, Um, you know, forward depth to be able to play successful small ball between Finney Smith, Bullock, Kleba, Dinwiddie, and, you know, obviously Luca, and then even Brunson, who survived well in this series, not only scoring, especially in those second quarters, but being able to just hold up defensively, be able to, to play an equal, like he played equally physically to what Chris Paul was able to do. And that, that says a lot. Like, that's right there, you know, seven, eight small ball players that you really trust. I think that was underestimated. And so when you have Chris Paul either, you know, in games three and four, trying to will something into existence, trying to create offense, trying to force the issue and failing, or you have him in protect mode, I'm not going to be the reason we lose mode, either one of those things, when you have the swarming defense and the game plan that Dallas was able to execute, you can't win. You This series needed Chris Paul to be at his best. Any of the X factors that we talked about in this series relied on, on Chris Paul being really good. DeAndre Ayton attacking the Mavs on switches. Well, who's going to get him the ball? Who's the best at getting him the ball? Who's the best at manufacturing those switches and putting Aiton in position to succeed. Now, I'm not making excuses for Aiton. Again, that's a conversation I'm going to have in a second, but that's Chris Paul. When you talk about Mikhail Bridges, who had arguably an even worse series in this series than he had in last year's finals, who is the guy who gets Mikhail Bridges great shots? Whether that's on cuts, in transition, in the corner for three, that's Chris Paul. You talk about Jay Crowder coughing up two turnovers in this game and and being inconsistent from deep. Who gets him his shots? Chris Paul. Like, no matter which way you slice it and you throw in the fact that Cameron Payne wasn't doing what he needed to do, it's so much of what happens. You at least... I I said after game six with Aaron Edwards on this show that Chris Paul's game six in this series was worse than his game six against the Lakers in the first round last year when he still barely had his right arm functional. He was like 4 of 12 from the field in that game, but he was 12 assists and just one turnover. He was running the offense. You can't... I think the 4 assists to me is where I look in this game, and that explains so much 
of why the Suns offense was just in mud. Um, now, two things that I don't think Paul and his performance or his injury or whatever we want to call that quite all the way explains is one, the mentality and the mindset and the attitude and the intensity. Um, there's no excuse for that stuff falling away. Um, there just isn't. This game, I believe, was the worst home game seven loss since I, I think it was 1948, back when the teams were all called different things and it wasn't even the same construction of the league. Okay, so it was a bunch of white dudes who look like your uncle running around playing a version of this game that doesn't even look like basketball. That's how long it's been. There's no excuse for that part. There's also no excuse. The other thing I don't think that Paul's performance quite explains is Booker's performance. He's not absent of blame here. I believe he started 0 of 11 in this game. Again, didn't make his first field goal until the third quarter. Didn't make... He didn't crack 10 points until the game was already lost. 10 points. That's something he had in in first quarters like every other night during the regular season. That's unacceptable. Um, You you just... I, I mean, this is a guy who got MVP votes. This is a guy who took over in that game six against the Lakers. I get Anthony Davis wasn't healthy, blah, 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 blah. He has taken over. He has shown himself capable when Chris Paul is hurt, when Chris Paul is less than himself. This is a guy who, when Chris Paul was throwing the ball everywhere, unable to dribble in the finals, went out and put up 40. Twice in the NBA Finals against what I believe is still a much better defense than this Mavs defense is, which is the Milwaukee Bucks defense. I'm not expecting something of Booker that we've never seen before, and I'm not expecting something of Booker that's, in my opinion, uh, unreasonable. And he was not good. Um, So, I mean, that's a little bit more of what, I guess, than why, uh, but I don't don't have much more. Um, What does this mean? And again, that'll be the, I mean, that'll be the, the question that takes us through the offseason. But I want to talk about DeAndre and what happened. I think that's the place to start. So we'll get there. The outburst, what Monty said post-game, what Book said post-game, all of it coming up. First, though, guys, today's show brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the planet, my favorite protein bar on the planet. Just place an order today. Because as I said, uh, look, food, food in general is uh, outrageous right now. Um, but... It feels like protein bars are never on sale anymore. I don't know about you guys, but I go, I, I'm, I'm looking, whether it's just trying to find whatever's on sale at the store just to save some money when I'm out of Bilt Bars, or it's, I've actually, Bilt Bar is sold at my local protein nutrition store, and I went there, and they're not even in stock anymore. So place an order at Bilt.com. Plus, when you actually go to Bilt.com, you're, you're getting the exclusive limited time offerings birthday cake, a Built Bar Puff, a Built Puff, which is the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. You have cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, tons and tons of good stuff that you can only find when you go online. You have to be checking constantly. And again, that birthday cake puff, Built has taken the delicious experience of biting into a fresh slice of birthday cake and enrobed it 
in 100% white chocolate with sprinkles. But best of all, only 150 calories and nine grams of sugar, but packed with 16 grams of protein. They do it every time, guys. They make it delicious. Then they make it healthy. It's always both. It's always reliable. Go to Built.com. Get your hands on a limited time offering of that birthday cake puff or try your favorite again. Try something new. Go back to your old favorite and use the promo code LOCK15 when you do to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so I wanted to close the show with a little bit of what this what does this mean? Just my initial thoughts here more so than anything else. We had DeAndre Ayton play just 17 minutes. Uh, some point in the third quarter when things really started to get out of control, um, DeAndre Ayton got benched. I believe that it was after I believe it was during a timeout and Ayton just did not come back into the game. Bismack Biombo Checked in. I don't exactly remember the details because I actually don't think Biombo came in after a timeout. He came in as, just as a substitution. I don't know exactly when the fallout or the argument or whatever happened, but Mr. Orange, who uh, we all know who that is, guy who's had season tickets forever, sits actually for the playoffs where they've had us the past two years in media, is up at the Tandaway Rum Lounge. And basically, it's behind the sun's bench up in the corner of the suite level, which means, long story short, that's actually where Mr. Orange sits, but he's obviously in the lower bowl, just a few seats, few rows behind uh, the sun's bench itself. So, you know, he has a similar view to what I have, and I know where he sits. So I believe that he would be within vocal distance to be able to hear what happened, and what he said is DA had words for Monty on that substitution. Monty walked towards him and asked, what did you say? Then two coaches stepped in between them. You had a guy named Wes Wes on Twitter saying, yep, I read Monty's lips. And he asked him if he wanted to play. Aiton said, nope. I, I would trust that a little bit less. I don't know if that person was in the arena or thought they saw something on the screen. I'm not sure. But... Bottom line is, Aiton obviously did not come back into the game. And when Monty was asked about it post-game, he very abruptly, sternly said, that's internal. Um, And that was it. So, I don't know. Um, And then here's what Booker said when asked about he was asked about uh, Aiton not coming back in and sort of was reminded what Monty said, although actually Booker and Paul were both inside of the media room while Monty was giving his press conference, which is a very unusual thing. Most of the time, they're not even ready yet, and if they are, they wait outside the door, but Booker and Paul both were just standing there while we were asking Monty questions. A very strange situation. So he had already heard what Monty said, and here's what Booker said. Quote, 
His contract situa situation is between him and the front office. I care about him as a brother, just making sure his mental is right. Whatever happens, happens. Kind of hard to look so far in the future. He also made, made a point. He said, uh, after he said just making sure his mental is right, he said something along the lines of just making sure he has everything off the court in order or something like that. Um, again, I don't, I don't want to read too much into that or anything else. It's, it's a tough thing to say. Um, but regardless, uh, it's bad. And I, I don't, I think that that speaks to, to me more so than anything else, just trying to think about what it means or what this can tell us. I mean, I think more than anything else, it just tells us how overloaded and just disoriented this Suns team was with all of this. Um, Mikhail Bridges and, and Cam Johnson, for sure. They, I mean, they were at a loss for words, just like I'm sure the rest of you are. So whether, I mean, I don't know, obviously the Aiton thing brings up questions about his free agency and, you know, possible trade with being a restricted free agent, sign and trade. I don't know. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, it, it sort of, this type of loss brings out the worst in people in some cases. And Aiton, uh, you know, fair or not fair, whatever you want to say, there's always been the question with him about, engagement, dedication, commitment, that type of thing. Is he somebody in a, you know, a foxhole guy, so to speak? Is he somebody that when you are suffering this type of, of defeat is going to be there a hundred percent for you? And I, I don't think it's unreasonable to understanding. We don't know the full story and I'm not pretending to, um, the base facts here, if they're, if they're true, and just seeing how frustrated it seemed to make Monty, um, it brings a lot of that stuff back up into question. And you don't want to judge somebody off of their worst moment. You don't want to judge somebody off of you know a bad situation like this and take the collective bedwetting that the Suns just did and, and place that on Aiton's shoulders by any means and say, wow, he really, you know, he just wasn't committed. And this is all such a symptom of Aiton and blah, blah, blah. That's unfair. But... It's also it's also fair to, to question why he would do something like that and and you know there's going to be big decisions after a loss like this and you know that's a, a sour taste to leave in the coaching staff's mouth your teammates' mouths the front office the fan base the community everybody to see it end like that but um, I can just say for sure that Aiton was not the only person who took it poorly. You know, um, Bridges, Johnson, both of those guys, they, they were, they were struggling. Um, Booker and Paul, I think they just wanted to get it over with, wanted to not have to talk about it anymore. Um, it's tough. So we'll have more throughout the rest of the week. Obviously you guys, uh, are feeling that as well. But I'll continue to try to make sense of it. We'll we'll talk through all of it. Hopefully, we do get to have a post uh, end of season media availability from these guys, which we did not get last year. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for making Locked On Suns your first listen today and every day. Now go make Locked On NBA your second listen to catch up on everything else going on around the league over the weekend.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.